What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TamAndBaseballFan.com. Happy November, Friday the 13th, 2020. Crazy that it's Friday the 13th. I uh, don't really think I have uh, too terribly much uh, to tell you that's uh, spooky or creepy or anything. Um, just out of my walk. It's supposed to be really a run. I'm trying to get back into shape and everything. Um, but <laughs> after a half mile of running, I figured I'd uh, walk and uh, uh, drop a podcast here. So... Um, I want to talk about cards that are wildly expensive, but nobody knows about. And uh, it's really interesting because, like, if you ask the regular layperson that's even a collector, um, what are the expensive cards out there? You know, the T206 Wagoner, the, the 52 Tops Mantle, uh, you know, or you can even go for uh, newer things like the, uh, uh, you know, the, the Tops uh, Update, Mike Trout. Rookie or the A9 Upper Deck Griffey PSA 10. But uh, what I want to talk about a little bit here is uh, some cards that people really kind of don't know a whole lot about. Now, uh, these will obviously be rare, and that in and of itself is really kind of the reason why they would be so expensive. Um, when it comes to like a, a PSA 10 Griffey uh, A9 Upper Deck, you know. How much they're going to sell for typically because they sell like literally every day there's it's almost like uh <laughs> it's almost like a commodity like you know how much they'll go for because they sell every day the a6 donners uh, raid rookie canseco sells every single day there's like uh, two that sell on average every day uh so uh and even with like the uh for the canseco there for the psa 10 um you know normally you're going to have uh, them sell nowadays, I think, for about $300. And so it's easy to kind of track what those go for. So what about these cards that, you know, don't really ever show up? Like, how uh, how expensive can they get? What are they? And what makes them so expensive? I'll give you an example. This one time, about a year or so ago, I think it's probably a year ago, maybe two years ago, <laughs> maybe three years ago, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember this uh, one time I met a card show. I'm walking up and I'm looking at this at this dealer's uh, uh, dealer cases and seeing what cards he has and everything. I listen in because uh, they uh, um, these the dealer and one of the guys that was like looking on the other side of the table uh, were talking about the Bash Brothers, Kinsaco McGuire. So it was uh, fairly immediately apparent that the guy that was talking was a McGuire collector. Uh, and a big time McGuire collector. And so they start talking about Conseco and I start listening in and I get involved in the conversation. And then they bring up this uh, crazy guy online that's like got this insane collection, you know, that uh, creates his own cards and stuff and everything. And uh, <laughs> after a while, I remember the guy just stops talking and his eyes got wide and he points at me, he goes, you're that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's actually me. <laughs> so he's like, Oh, I can't believe it. That's insane. And so I said, well, let's talk about this uh, uh, McGuire want list that you have. Like, what do you, what are you looking for? Like, what, what does your heart most desire? So he, he rattled off a few of them. Uh, I mean, I would guess maybe a, maybe a 98 Crusade Red and 88 Tops Cloth with Kinsake on it and a few others. And I go, I look at his, at his list, the 90 Donner's Lockwiths, you know, those sorts. And uh, I go, huh. I noticed there's one card that's pretty special on here that uh, you don't have on your list. 
And he goes, well, what was that? So it's the 89 Donner's blue chips, the 89 leaf blue chips. He goes, oh, gosh, yeah, man, no. <laughs> I'd never be able to see those. That's, that's why they're not even on my list. There's no reason uh, to put them on there. And I go, huh, well, at this point, I actually had them. Uh, so, which, by the way, I think that kind of dates this back in early, early 2019 or late 2018, uh, based upon when I had them. So, anyways, the guy goes, oh, that's crazy. That's insane. You're like, how much do you, uh, would you want for them if you're selling them? And I don't remember. I think it told me either 750 or 1000 And he goes, huh, yeah, that's definitely doable. And he goes, and he looks around, everybody at the card show, he goes, I have all these people. <laughs> There's only possibly two people in this whole building that know what these are, let alone know what they're worth, that they would be willing to that uh, you know they would actually sell for that. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. Because guess what? The 89 blue chips, they don't sell every day. They don't sell every week. In fact, you can go years and years without seeing these cards. But the hardcore collectors, the, the old school McGuire super collectors and Kinseiko super collectors and all these other guys, like I don't even remember who else is in the, in the set. There's, I think those are the two main ones. But... Uh, you know, even the commons of those could go for, you know, a few hundred dollars, if I remember correctly. And, uh, you know, so, so you look at those and uh, you got to keep in mind that these super collectors that have been going at it, they've been searching for years on end, sometimes for decades, they have these special cards on their want lists. And when it pops up, guess what? If they have something that they've been dreaming about for 20 years, they'll pay very handsomely. And so, one good example of this, which I'm going to tell y'all, like, this actually, like, absolutely blew my socks off. Uh, it was uh, a card that would have been so unassuming, I would have been, uh, I would have passed it up, like, ten times out of ten in a dime box at a card show. And we'll uh, talk about this a little bit. It's the 1995 Upper Deck Electric Diamond Gold Version. I had the Kinseiko. I, I think I probably sold in one of the collections I've uh, sold recently because, you know, it's a nice card, but I mean, you know, eh, 10 bucks or something, five, 10 bucks, 15 maybe, I don't know. Uh, in fact, there's one on eBay right now and uh, you know, they just they just show up, they're here. So it's, uh, so as, uh, that's why it was really shocking to me to find out that last night, if I remember correctly, the Alan Trammell, Alan Trammell, you know, the, the guy that played for the Tigers for several years. Um, <laughs> the 95 Upper Deck, uh, Electric Diamond Gold, Alan Trammell last night sold for over $400. And come to find out, that's not an isolated instance. Uh, that card has sold for two and $300 in the past as well. And so I'm thinking like, what on earth is going on here? Well, uh, <laughs> come to find out, uh, this is this is all hearsay. So, like, I don't know specifics, but I've heard this on the, uh, you know, some uh, Facebook baseball card groups that perhaps because of the strike, I think that was in '94, uh, they would print out a bunch of uh, cards, you know, of course, in '95, uh, and '95 Upper Deck was in two series, uh, you know, first series, second series. The um, so they found apparently that uh, series one. I guess wasn't selling too well, so they had to cut back drastically in Series 2. Well, guess what? 
Series 2 uh, is extremely difficult to find. You can find Series 1 electric diamonds, which Canseco's in, like, quite, you know, quite easy, quite easily. Series 2, not so much. And Alan Trammell's there. So on top of that, uh, keep in mind as well that Alan Trammell, and this is kind of where a lot of these semi-star guys uh, will really get bit hard, especially if they have competitors that have deep pockets. Uh, Alan Trammell isn't exactly going to make front page news uh, when it comes to selling cards. If a guy like me buys a collection and sees an Alan Trammell, I'm probably going to sell it in a lot. Even if I like care to even put it in a lot, I just don't know. I don't think I will ever uh, sell an Alan Trammell as a single unless it's like a super low number, super rare autograph on card patch. Uh, type of card or something uh, but a 95 upper deck electric gold uh, uh, you know electric diamond gold I don't think so uh, but I would have uh, I would have been out a lot of money if I uh, didn't realize that and the thing is is that there's so many different niches that uh, collectors get into uh, it's just absolutely incredible like I love it you know the guy uh, that told me that you know the blue chip that he was looking for that was easily worth you know 750 or thousand dollars which he was right by the way uh you know most people won't know that they just won't know it um same thing with this trammel i mean shoot i didn't know this uh there are even some cards uh that are uh have like really you know kind of sketchy distribution methods like uh, let's say uh you know card from like the late 90s or early 2000s that had a fairly low print run and maybe they were in retail boxes and perhaps the the store walgreens walmart whatever maybe they uh threw out the extra boxes uh because nobody was buying them or some case uh some cases maybe some people took them in you know just shoved them in their garage and uh, and later on they bricked so then they threw them out so then you have a car that might be very well uh with a print run of 100, all serial numbered 100, maybe there's only 30 of them. Maybe there's only 15 of them. You never know. And that's why you kind of have to rely on sales history. So uh, you can go to, um, I believe there's like PWCC Marketplace. They have a good uh, sales history. Uh, the actual, and that's for eBay stuff too, by the way. Um, but they have a good history. And I think the uh, actual prices are accurate up until about mid 2018 back. Uh, in the past year and a half, the prices are no good because they don't uh, record, if I remember correctly, true best offer prices. You could also check WorthPoint, worthpoint.com, uh, just to see uh, the frequency of cards I've sold. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. There was a, uh, I think it was a 2001 Donruss, uh, Season stat line can take us. So, a uh, little bit of story on that. Uh, in '98, I think was the last year for Donruss. They shut it down. I think playoff bottom or something like that. Came back 2001, and so what they did was they did something really kind of neat and funky. They uh, they created this uh, run of cards of what 1999 Donruss would look like in 2000, in 2001. So you almost got kind of like three sets in one, which is really neat. Uh, but they had these parallels called uh, career stat lines, which were 
the base cards, but they're actually foil, and they might have had hollow foil highlights, I don't recall. Uh, they were numbered to, you know, a lot of times for Conseco at least, eh, you know, between 100 and 300 or something like that. Uh, then you have the season stat line, which was uh, serial numbered uh, probably to a certain stat of that person's season. Uh, so, like, for Conseco, I think it was, like, number two, uh, the 2001 stat line might be number to 66, the 99 might be number to 48, and the 2000 might be number to 34. Uh, just an example. I don't really know where I stand. I don't have them in front of me because I'm walking right now. Uh, but, uh, so I ended up getting the 99 and 2001, like, fairly quickly. And they're hard to find cards. Like, you know, they're beautiful, like insanely beautiful like just uh, just gorgeous cards um but you know they're ridiculously hard to get compared to the career stat lines obviously because there's a lot less of them made but the 2000 stat line season or season stat line number to 34 yeah it's a lower numbered but in the entire time that i was super collecting not once did i see it come up and like even in the sales data, like I don't remember uh, seeing it more than once or twice or something like that uh, in records going all the way back to 2004. And so it popped. I go, man, I got to do everything I can to try to get this card. Um, so I was able to land it. And man, it's, it's beautiful. But like uh, that sales history and the, and the history that I have on it helped me tremendously because uh, if I just saw the serial number, and made the purchase based on the serial number, I wouldn't really thought much about it. And I think if I remember correctly, uh, the 2000 uh, versions of those were like retail only or something. So the distribution, I think, was different than the other two, which is why, you know, don't necessarily, you, know, you shouldn't necessarily always just trust the serial number. Uh, same thing goes for the 97 flares. There is a, uh, a legacy parallel where, first of all, let's let's just get this out there. Flare is a beautiful card. The 97s are amazing. Um, but you have two parallels. You have the one of ones, which are masterpieces, and they've got uh, this, like, purple hollow foil. But you have, and I don't know if I've ever seen those before. Um, I, if anybody has any, let me know. Love to hear about them and see them. Uh, but the, uh, the other version is the Legacy, if I remember correctly, or Showcase showcase your legacy i'm getting my words mixed up but anyways there's a uh, uh version of them that are number 200 and so conseco is three 97 flares and so there's three cards that are numbered out of 100 and so i picked up the uh the row one and row two out of 100 beautiful cards their their uh stamping is like blue hollow foil which is really neat um, I never had seen the Row Zero. And the Row Zero has a little bit of a, of a different shimmer to the front. So it makes it a little more special. And to be honest with you, I didn't even notice. <laughs> I didn't even notice until uh, a few months ago when I picked it up. But um, anyway, so it's a, uh, it's a great card. But the question is, all three of these are serial number to 100. Why is it that I've seen Row 1 and Row 2 multiple times? but not row zero ever, you know, like since then I've seen another one. So I've seen a total of two um, ever in sales data for me, at least uh, since I've been keeping my eyes peeled for it. Um, 
And come to find out, it is actually the most desirable when it comes to set builders because it's got an extra special little shimmer to it uh, that the other two don't have. So that creates a feeding frenzy for uh, the set builders, the set collectors. So they're going after the row zeros like they're diamonds and they're paying as if they're diamonds. And so, uh, you know, really kind of a neat thing to, you know, to think about is uh, why? Because like if you're a new collector, you don't really know anything about the set. You look at the three of them and go, well, I mean, <laughs> There's a hundred each of these. Like, there's not going to be a difference as far as uh, the ease of getability <laughs> for for any one of them over the other. Well, come to find out, that's wrong. And it's wrong by a long shot. And uh, there's there's story there's like story after story of this sort of thing where uh, you know the serial number just simply does not tell the story, uh, the entire story. So, and of course, there are also live cards that. Uh, don't have any serial numbers and there are people that are big time uh, collectors whether they're player collectors or set collectors that are waiting in the weeds to uh, to pounce if it shows up online now I want to say this also I don't want to give the illusion that uh, or suggestion that if you have a bunch of uh, um, cards that you don't know about then to put sky high uh, uh, prices on eBay for um, certainly do your do your research. I mean, because there's two sides of this. You know, you want to you know, of course, get as much money as you can for cards, but you also want to be fair uh, for the price. And so, uh, you know, a lot of times the the market will help <laughs> guide uh, both ways about this, both for the buyer and seller. However, um, you don't want your card uh, to end up being an eBay ornament just that's just out there to display for months and months and months and nobody touches it and then the people that are interested die out because they're like yeah it's been there forever it's not special anymore I've seen that super rare card every day but the seller's knucklehead because he wants way too much so um, you know so yeah definitely do your do your research and and ask around and everything you can look in the forums and uh, it's really fun to be able to research these cards. Like, as a matter of fact, uh, aside from doing trades and actually hunting for cards and taking pictures and showing them online, I love all that stuff. The next thing I love on top of that is actually doing research on cards and finally uh, sharing my knowledge with other people from what I've found. So, really fun stuff. Um, I think that's all I have for you now. I better get back to running. Um, but uh, instead of running my mouth, it got, I guess I got to run my, uh, run my legs. So <laughs> hope you all have a fantastic weekend and thanks for listening.